Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Right, so I'm so honored and, and I'm privileged to introduce my wife to you. I know some of you have heard her, heard her preach, but let's welcome Joy as uh, she comes and bring us God's Word. Good morning. This is a very rare occurrence. It's like the supermoon, you know. Who saw the supermoon? Monday? Anybody? No? I I remember on Monday night, Daniel was going around to look for the moon. But it was quite a cloudy night, so we can't find it. And then next morning, my daughter came and said, she knocked on the door. Mommy, mommy, is daddy awake? I said, why? I said, I can see the moon. I was like, okay, it's 7 a.m. I was like, I'm so tired. But I just pulled myself up to go and see the moon. And then I told my helper, Auntie, you must go and see the moon once in 48 years. Just see it so that you can tell people I've seen the moon. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. That's what I did. Lah. So I just went out and said, saw the moon. So every one of you here, you're seeing the moon now. Okay, Rare occurrence. <laughs> and... Um, and I really um, um, want to share with you from, the, from Jesus' story on how he fed uh, 5,000 people. Today, um, my message is called, Draw a Little Closer, Give a Little More. And what um, I want to share from Matthew 14, verse 13, the beginning of the message. Oh, can you go to the slide? Yes, the slide before. Yep where there are all the verses. Okay, in order to understand this story in, it, in its fullness, you need to read the story in all the gospel because it will give you details that you don't see in the other gospels. So you, if you want to read it, this is your homework. Okay, Read all the gospels uh, with the story that Jesus fed 5,000. Okay, so let's go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. Are you there? Yep. You there? Oh, it's there. <laughs> Look at the screen. Okay, one of the challenges of preaching uh, or sharing in the city, right, is that there's this pressure to do PowerPoint slides, you know. So then Andre would tell, hey, how's your slide? How's your slide? Pressure. Must be such, such one, you know. Like, huh? Really? uh?" And then last week I heard Pastor Daniel's slide was so good that you really need to focus to read the word. So I'm like, okay, so I must tell myself, okay, do good slides and make sure the people can focus. Okay, so Matthew chapter 14. So when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the city. I was reading this one day and what really amazed me was that the people followed Jesus on foot. And um, I reckon, right, the distance is about maybe 10 kilometers or maybe more. And so um, Daniel and I have been walking the reservoir, the Bedok Reservoir, almost trying to do it on a daily basis. And um, although you don't see much effects, right, you know, um, we've not been running, we're just walking, okay? And sometimes I was like, hey, dear, I thought we want to lose weight. How come I still look the same? And then I came to a point, I was just like, okay, I would just adopt Ming Wei's philosophy. You know Ming Wei, right? He used to be uh, running, carry Jerry can. And he comes to the office, I say, hey, why you exercise so much to look the same? Then he say, Joy, I tell you, you got it all wrong. I exercise, right, not to lose weight, just to maintain weight. I can still eat and I maintain my weight. I say, okay, I'll adopt your philosophy, okay? I was just like walk just to maintain my weight. So we've been walking and it takes us about like maybe 45 minutes 
depending on how fast we walk, maybe 45 minutes an hour to walk like five kilometer. So I reckon these people took about two hours, you know, to walk to where Jesus was, right? And, and that's just only one way, okay? One way, two hours. And how many of us here walk two hours to come to church today? Don't have. What about an hour? No, nobody. How many of you drove an hour to come here? Nobody. Okay. Just wondering. Because I know that there are people who will, who will go to other churches because they have to drive more than 15 minutes. So. So, so these people walked for two hours. And when I was reading that, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. He said, Joy, I am drawn to those who are hungry and thirsty. I am drawn to those who are hungry and thirsty. Dryness doesn't attract me. I was like, hmm. God, you are drawn to the hungry and thirsty. What is dryness? What is dryness like? You know? And I tell you, dryness sounds like this. Um, it sounds like, why? I'm on duty again. I thought I just served last month. You know? Dry, dryness sounds like, I go to church and I cannot receive from the pastor. Dry, dryness sounds like, uh, I go to church. Why the pastor always preach the same thing one? You know? Always tell the same joke. And I, I, I during worship, I don't get the feeling. Uh, you know, that feeling, that feeling, the shaking feeling. So, I don't want to go to church. I, then I don't want to commit to any church. I just go around, move around, you know. And that's what dryness says. And dryness really doesn't set roots on anything, you know. And I'm so familiar with all this because you know why? I've been there before. I was, I was in church, you know, I, I love God. I, I was in church every single week, but there was just something in me that was dry. I was judging the pastors. I was judging every speakers that came, and I couldn't receive. They can be the world-class speakers, and I can be sitting there, and I'm like, and you know that you are dry, when you can't even laugh at the preacher's joke, like, again, you know? And so, <laughs> Andre, try harder, tell more jokes. Okay, so, so I was like, God, why am I like this? I was really very disgusted with myself. I come to church and, you know, I worship, but I just don't feel like I'm receiving anymore. I just don't feel like the life in my spirit. And I say, God, I say to God one day, Lord, please, I'm just so tired of this. Would you come and change me? And there was a time when Daniel and I, we were about to go to Taiwan. And... Um, and, and, and as I was, um, as the plane, um, before the plane took off, the Holy Spirit said to me, Joy, I will, I will tenderize and I will marinate your heart. Like, Why? What is that? And I said, okay. I keep that word in my heart. And I saw, so when I went to Taiwan, I don't know, I was there for a conference. And at every conference, I can't remember the preaching at all. I don't remember the message. But I re all I remembered was every worship session. I was just so moved. I was always crying. And I think one of the beauty of um, Chinese worship is the language is so deep. So I am so glad that I actually learned Chinese. You know, I understand Chinese, not like my children, you know. You know what they call firefighter? Uh, you know, they kind of like... And then you know how to cook? How do you know? Do you know what they call cow's milk? New the sui. You know, for excuse me, I don't know. So, like, oh my goodness, the Chinese level is so low. But I'm just so glad that 
all the Chinese words, all the worship words just touched my heart. And, and then God gave me a vision and I was instantly healed of my indifference, of my dryness and of my hardness of heart. And I said, God, this is a good feeling. You know, I don't want ever to lose that. I want to move closer. When the Lord touched me, I said, God, I want more. Lord, when the Lord moved me, I said, change. I said, God, I, I will change. Help me. And as I began to move closer, the Lord began to pour upon me. And God is attracted to those who are hungry and thirsty. You know, dryness is passive. When Daniel and I get home, right, and we see our children, they're all lying down using their devices. It doesn't attract the father's love. It only attracts the mother's nagging and her threats. Like, ha use the phone again. I'm telling you, I'm going to lock your device. I'm going to stop the internet. It doesn't attract the father's love when they are so passive. But when we come home, and Titus learned this very well. He said, he will come out of his room and say, Hi, Dad and Mom. Oh, son, come. Oh, how was your day? Oh, very good. And then after that, he will quietly go back and use his device. <laughs> Pass. Okay, for those who doesn't come and greet us by the door, that's it. Lah. The mother just... Yeah. So really passive. and it's really a Dryness is passive. And passive doesn't attract God. But hunger, when you are hungry and when you are thirsty... It attracts, it attracts the father. Have you seen hungry and thirsty people? Come to my house and eat with us. <laughs> Once we invited Andre and Amy to come eat with us, he's still scarred from that experience. Like we haven't recovered from the trauma of eating with us. Because it's like we, 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 were <laughs> we went to Mingwei's restaurant and we all settled out. First he said, Joy, it was like musical chair. I, want, I don't want to sit with mommy. I want to sit with daddy. Oh, no, no, no. Then everybody. And it came to a point I have to tell everybody. Everybody stand up, move one chair down, and then sit down. And then Ming will say, I said, Wow, this is a big headache. How to sit is the one thing. Then it comes to eating time, okay? I don't want to eat this. I don't want to eat that. So when the food came, we all have to stand up and get our food, right? And so the whole time I saw Andre, he was just sitting down there. He's like, shell shock. He's just looking. He's like, what's happening? And then uh, when everybody settled down and started eating, right? He's still standing. He was still sitting down there, not moving. I said, hey, hello, Andre. What happened to you? He said, it's okay, it's okay. You all eat first. You all eat first. And then after that, I think he told Amy, oh, very scary to eat with Daniel's family. Like everybody, like, ah, war zone, you know. And so when you are hungry and you are thirsty, it, it looks like something, you know. It, it, it looks like... Um, you're in action. When you're hungry and when you're thirsty, it looks like you will walk two hours to hear Jesus. Amen? When you're hungry and when you're thirsty, you will be like the woman with the issue of, of blood. You, know, you just press in through the crowd. I don't care how many people are there. I am just going to go for his, the helm of his garment. I'm just going to press in. That is hunger. That is thirsty. Hunger and thirsty doesn't look like, I just sit down a little part. Oh God, just come and touch you. No, hunger and thirsty are action word. You will do something. You will be like the four friends with the friend who is paralyzed and say, hey, they say there's no more room. You know what? Let's get onto the roof and break some towels and then let's lower our friend. Let's get closer to Jesus. We can't be standing outside the room. Let's get closer to Jesus. There is hunger and there is thirsty. You know? And then you will be like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. He was like the chief sinner. Okay? And he wanted to get close to Jesus. And, but what was his problem? 
like me, vertically challenged. He was short and he couldn't see Jesus. He said, but it's okay. I know how to climb. And he climbed up the sycamore tree. And that day, he met the Messiah. And not because he's like, oh yeah, I'm short, lah. that's it, lah. I cannot see Jesus already. Uh, woe is me, why am I born so short? You know, now I cannot see Jesus. No! You know, when you are hungry and when you are thirsty, you will do something, am I right? You know, let's come and press into Jesus. And one of the things that, that um, I hear from one of my cell leaders, Joshua Wang is here. Is Joshua here? One, one thing that I heard about from him is, is about waiting. He says, waiting is not a passive word. Do you know that? Waiting is not passive. He says, as we wait upon the Lord, it is an active waiting. It is like a lion waiting to jump on his prey. You know, when the lion is waiting, his, his eyes open, every muscle in him is all tense, already ready for the prey to come. It's not lepak. Oh, when my prey comes, then I jump up. No! He's waiting. He's saying, when the prey comes, I jump. That is waiting. Waiting is like uh, a runner at the start, you know, in position, ready for the sound of the horn to spring forward. Waiting is not lepat, sit down there, do nothing, really. Waiting is active. What are we waiting for? You know, and God wants us to to be hungry and thirsty. He wants us to be active and to be in action. And so I was, you know, saying I was reading, he said, waiting is an active process. It may be a time of prayer, it's good. It may be taking small steps of faith. It may sometimes even be launching out in doing something crazy. Waiting is not sitting there and saying, God, if I don't hear from you, I don't do anything. That is not waiting. Waiting is an active process. You try, you move in faith. God, I'm just waiting. I'm moving. When you're ready, I will just jump all the way in. And so God is waiting for us, saying, Joy, I am not drawn to those who are just dry. What draws me in is when I, when you are hungry, when you are thirsty, just show me a little bit of that. You know, I will come and touch you. And I said, today, why don't we just draw in a little closer? Why don't we just be hungry a little bit more. Some of us may be dry. You're just tired from the relationship that you have. You know, you're just tired from work. You're tired from your financial problem. You're tired from your emotional problems. You're tired from depression. But God is saying to us, don't just sit there. Do something. Hung, move a little bit more. Hung, be a bit more hungry. Be a little bit more thirsty. And the Bible says, you know, when Jesus went out and saw that great multitude, verse 14, 14, he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. I was so sick. I was not physically sick. I was spiritually sick. I was dry. I was in church, but I was not happy. You know, I was in church, but I was not on fire, and I was so sick. And I said, God, you just have to change me. Move me, Lord. I want to move. I don't want to be in this place of indifference. I don't want to be in this place judging everybody and fail to judge my own heart. And God said, I will touch you. You know, and he really did. And that really, really transformed my life. And today, all of us, we can all move a little closer. Amen? We can all be like the women, like just a little bit more. 
just a little bit more. Let's all move closer to Jesus. And this morning, He wants to fill us. He wants to heal us from our dryness. He wants to heal relationship. He wants to heal our problems. And today, we all need to come and draw close to Jesus. And then we move to the second part of the story where Jesus fed the 5,000. In order to understand this, like I said, you need to read all the gospel and find out the real state of Jesus before he fed the 5,000. Firstly, do you know that Jesus was suffering grief? If you read the chapter before, John the Baptist, John who is a relative of Jesus, whom, who baptized Jesus, he was beheaded. And so the disciple of John came and told Jesus what happened. And the very reason why John was beheaded was because Herod, the king, was watching some sensual dance by his stepdaughter. Okay? It's not some, the Bible says some dance. I can tell you it's not normal dancing, alright? It's some sensual dance that blinded him. And he so enjoyed it that, you know, he completely lost his ability to judge. And I tell you that, I tell you that's what pornography can do to us. You know, we just lose our ability to judge. When we set our eyes on the wrong thing, we can't see clearly. And so Herod lost his ability to judge and he said to his stepdaughter, and he gave her a ridiculously generous offer. He said, anything you ask for, up to half of my wealth, you will have it. And so the daughter was young, don't know what to do. You know, she went to the mom, what should I ask for? And Herodotus, who was um, very offended by John, because she, mar she married Herod, he said to her daughter, I want you to ask for John the Baptist's head on the platter. And when Jesus heard that, he was grieved. He lost man of God because there's this man who refused to stand for what is good. And he's just lost and he was grieving. And, and, and you can read that because he's so grieved, he actually wanted to withdraw to a quiet place you know, to, to, to grieve. And then the next thing you realize that before Jesus fed the 5,000, he was also having leadership duties to, to fulfill. You know, if you read in the scripture, before that, he sent out the disciples two by twos out for ministry. And you read in the Bible that, you know, the apostles are coming back to him. The apostles are coming back to him um, and gathered around him to tell him what they have done and what they have taught. So while he was grieving, he needs to, you know, hear all this uh, report. He has to lead the, uh, the disciple. So the disciple, oh, Jesus, you know, and, and all inside him, he was grieving. But I said, it's okay. Let me do my leadership work. And you read at the same time, while he was doing all this, a lot of people, they're coming to Jesus for ministry. It came to a point, the Bible says that he was, uh, there are so many coming and going that they don't even have time to eat. So Jesus was grieving. At the same time, he has to do responsibility. And he was hungry because he had no time to eat. And then he said to the disciple, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and let's get some rest. So Jesus was tired too. Now let's put it all together. He was grieving. He has leadership responsibility to do. He was hungry and he was tired. He said, come, let's go. But what happened was when he went to the other side, these people that we read about who were so hungry ran on food to be with Jesus. So instead of coming to a place where 
he could rest, he see this like huge crowd of people waiting for his ministry. He didn't say, please come back tomorrow, I'm very, very tired already. He didn't do that. He said, what did he do? He, the Bible says he taught them and he healed their sick. And so, the evening came, Matthew 14, 15. When it was evening, his disciple came to him saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the village and buy themselves food. So you must understand that the disciples was, were with Jesus the whole time. You know, they were also hungry. They were also tired. They were ministering the whole day. And it's come to evening. I mean, naturally, right? You know, when you're so tired, when you're so hungry, the last thing you want to do is to deal with people's eating problem. True? Like when I'm tired, the last thing I want my husband to ask me, hey, where shall we go for dinner? Like, just make a choice. Uh. What shall I eat? Uh? It's like, just make a decision. Like, don't even bother me with such small decision. And so the disciples like, okay, we are really very hungry. We are so tired. Let's send them away. So they came to Jesus and said, hey, good solution. Let's send the people away. Let them find food for themselves. And Jesus said to them in verse 16, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. I can imagine the disciples like my children. Oh, come on. Can't you see? Jesus, are you blind? I, we are all very tired. Can't you, don't you know we are all very hungry? And you want me to feed? Look at the number of people. The Bible says there were 5,000 men excluding women and children. So that could be like 10,000 people. How am I going to feed 10,000 people? And then the disciples say, you know, you will take somebody's half, more than half a year's wage. We don't have the money. Even if we have the money, can you find a restaurant that can feed 10,000 people? We can't. It's like, no way. And so Jesus said, okay, what do you have? Let's go. What do we have? Five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, that's good enough. And then Jesus gave them a logistic thing to do. I want you to divide the people in groups of 50. So, read your Bible. 50, sit them down. You will distribute the food. 12 disciples against 10,000 people. Officers, have you all been doing that? Never, right? It's a logistical nightmare. But the disciples said, okay, they're quite obedient. Huh? I'm very impressed. You know, if I tell my children, I go and feed 10,000 people, they will all be running away. Okay. So they were, they were very, very obedient and said, okay, sit down and then they divided the food. And so the Bible says that they all ate, Mark 6, 42, and were satisfied. And the disciple picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Can I suggest to you today that the day, that event, Jesus didn't just teach the disciple the multiplication of five loaves and two fish. He taught them, despite of how you feel, he was grieving. Okay? Feelings are valid, despite of how you feel, despite of your physical needs. We're all hungry. We're all thirsty. 
And despite of the bigness of the problem, 10,000 people, how am I going to feed? He says, you can still give a little more. You can still give a little more. And I, I believe that, you know, God is speaking to us. We are not looking at just a multiplication of five loaves and two fish. It was the condition that Jesus was in, the condition of the disciple. It's very easy to say, wow, whole day was work, so tired, let's send them away. But Jesus wanted to teach them something. He wanted to teach them, no matter how tired you are, you come to a place where you feel like I have nothing to give. Jesus said, give a little more. Give a little more. And when they did that, the Bible says they all ate and were satisfied. And not only that, there were more than enough, more than enough for everyone. There's this um, priest, Catholic priest, I think we heard this story before. In During the Second World War, priest Maximilian Kobe, he was arrested by the Germans because he was hiding the Jews and the Polish from the Nazis. And so he was captured. And in his camp, three prisoners escaped. And because the, the camp commander was so angry, he says, in order to deter further attempts of escape, we need to put two men to the starvation, uh, ten men to the starvation camp. And so he called out the names. And one of them is called Francis. And he began to cry out when his name was called out. He said, oh, my wife, my children, they will never see me again. And when Kobe heard that, he, the Catholic priest, he stood up. He stood forward and said, I am a Catholic priest. I have no wife. I have no children. And I'm old. Let me take his place. And strangely, the commander said, okay, this man, he's in jail. There's no life to give. But yet, he stood up and said, let me take his place. And it was said that every day in the, in the starvation camp, he will, he will celebrate Mass and he will sing hymns with his fellow prisoners. And after two weeks of dehydration and starvation, Kobe was the only one left. And then they said that the cell was needed for other prisoners, so he has to be given a little injection to make him die. And those who actually were, was, who were present said that in the time when he was supposed to be given that injection, he just raised his hand and said, it's time. You know, so graceful. Life was taken away from him, but he could still give a little grace, a little dignity, a little honor. There's a little boy who went ar around selling goods from door to door, Know, trying to pay his way for school. And he was left with only a little, a, a thin dime left. He was hungry. And then he was so hungry, he decided, maybe I should just knock on some doors and see if anybody would offer me food. So he came to this house and when the, he knocked on the door and when this lovely lady opened the door, he lost all his guts to ask for a meal. So he decided, can I just have a little drink? And when the lady saw that he looks really hungry, really thirsty, instead of water, she gave him a big glass of milk. He drank that milk and he was so satisfied. And he asked, how much do I owe you? And the lady said, 
you don't owe me anything. My mom has taught us never to accept pay for a kindness. And then he said, well, then I thank you from my heart. So Howard Kelly left that house feeling stronger, having his faith, ready not to give up, but to pursue his education. And many years later, this lady became critically ill. And the local hospital could not treat her, and she was sent into the big city. And it was quite a, diff- it was quite a rare disease. And so Dr. Howard Kelly was called in for consultation. And when he heard the name of the city, he, something in him just lit up. It's like, hey, maybe I will know this lady. So dressed in his doctor's gown, he went into the room and he saw the lady. And that was the lady who gave him a glass of milk. And so he decided that I'm going to do my best to treat her. And after, after working really hard, you know, it was a very complicated um, um, illness. And eventually, he, he gave her the right treatment and she recovered. And just before um, she discharged, he went to the business office and said, give me her medical bill. You know, before, let me review it before you send it to her. So he wrote something on the medical bill on the corner of the medical bill, and then they sent the bill to her. And when she, when the lady received the bill, she was kind of like shaking because she knows that the cost will be exorbitant. It's very expensive. And when she opened the letter, she saw the scribble at the corner of the letter, and it said, paid in full with a glass of milk. You know, and it's, it's amazing when we give our little the impact that we can have on others. Today, I believe God wants us to draw a little bit closer. He wants us to give a little bit more. And this morning, maybe the band can come. This morning, God wants us to draw in a little bit closer.